0: Hello and welcome to the Karma You podcast. This is your host Chloe Brotheridge. I'm a coach, a hypnotherapist and author of The Anxiety Solution and Brave New Girl. Thanks so much for listening today. I am really excited about this episode. I'm interviewing Caroline Foran, who is a best-selling author. She's written two books. One's called Owning It, the other is called The Confidence Kit. And she's currently writing her third book as well. She's also the host of the Owning It Anxiety podcast, which is incredibly popular. And I think you're going to love this episode. She shares so honestly and openly. She's got a really no-nonsense approach. She really helps to make sense of our anxiety for us and gives practical ways that we can start to feel better. We talk about her experience of anxiety and I think it's a story that a lot of you will resonate with. We discuss why so many of us are anxious and the sort of factors that can make a big difference. We talk about loads of practical ways to deal with anxiety and we also get into how to support a friend who is struggling or how to explain to your friends or your partner about your own anxiety and this is the last and final call for the brave new you confidence challenge it's starting on the 24th of february 2020 if you want to get involved just head over to karmayou.com forward slash confidence and pop your email address in there and i'll send you all the details about the challenge this challenge is for you if you want to start to feel more comfortable doing things that in the past have made you feel uncomfortable. If you want to live more of your life and feel better about who you are and start saying no more to things that you don't wanna do. It's also for you if you're somebody that wants to feel more confident with people, if you're looking to make new friends this year, but shyness has held you back. And if you want to quieten the inner critic and create more love for yourself, more kindness for yourself, more self-acceptance this challenge is absolutely for you join for free at karmayu.com forward slash confidence and if this date has passed still head over to that link because if you enter your details there you can get free resources for confidence and i'll let you know when the next challenge is coming up as well so let's get into the interview with caroline foran
2: welcome thank you so much for joining me Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. And I'm so honoured to be asked to be on your podcast as well. It's, I know it's so successful and so congratulations to you for everything. Thank so you. Far.
0: Thank you. Yeah, I'm a big fan of your writing and your podcast and a lot of people have contacted me requesting that you come on this podcast. So no um, way. lots that, of people have so mentioned nice. you. So,
2: Oh, wow. I always just think it's just like my mom and my husband who reads my stuff or listens to me. So that's really nice to hear. Yeah, so lovely. Can you can you just share with
0: us for people that maybe don't know and you you and your work what it is that you do and and how you got to where you are today?
2: Yes. Um. So, God, it's almost a question of how much time do you have for me to answer that because, as you know yourself, like working for yourself, you end up becoming a bit of a forward slasher where you've got loads of different things going on. Um. So I I guess first and foremost I'm a journalist and then I. I was writing articles about my experience of anxiety for different Irish publications over here and um, I I wrote a piece that was a very practical guide to how, how I found was helpful to manage anxiety versus everything else I was reading. A lot of the stuff that I was reading was coming from the US and it was all very oh just you know chill and relax and I was like okay that's not actually all that helpful to be told that. Um so I guess I was coming at it from a, a fresher angle of like, this is what it's really like and this is all bullshit basically. We need to approach it a lot more practically. And I was really lucky in that um my publisher read the article, got in touch, said, Have you ever thought about writing a book? I thought that you must have the wrong email. Um, fell off my chair probably, and uh then was kind of <laughs> greeted with another wave of anxiety of Oh shit, I have to do this now. Um so so that was um good few years ago I kind of losing track of time but that was 2017 I think my first book came out and then that was just sort of was a kind of a fluke well I mean I don't want to talk myself down but it just went kind of viral um I didn't realize when I was writing it to the extent how much people needed something like that and how many people were just like me were really really struggling and felt completely lost at sea um so its success was like completely mind-blowing to me and then they wanted to follow up with the second book so this time it was called, the com- The first one was called Owning It and the second one is called The Confidence Kit. So the second one is sort of mirroring my experience as I went on. So I went from really struggling with anxiety to not being able to leave my house, that kind of thing, to, to getting to a point where I was owning it and I was able to function. But then when the first book came out suddenly I was on this new kind of platform where I was asked to come and give talks in different companies and be this sort of spokesperson in Ireland for mental health and for anxiety in particular so I while I had gotten to a point where I felt like I could manage the anxiety I didn't have any confidence and I had to then deal with things like public speaking which is a whole other you know to consider I wasn't able to leave my house that was just a quite a big ask for me and um, so then I was like okay I have this whole other journey to go on now to understand you know what's holding me back the fear of failure and um, what actual confidence is the difference between confidence and courage all of that kind of thing so that became the second book um and then the third book which is coming out in May is going to be all about kind of all about vulnerability which I think has if I look back at my career has been the, the the key to my success has been a willingness to be vulnerable and I think we all have that in common we're all afraid to be vulnerable we all are vulnerable and if we all can start to embrace it in some way whether it's in your relationship or in your work life amazing things can happen uh so so that's kind of my my book a brief history of my, my book career so far. And then I I have the podcast as well, um, which sprang from, from the book, which was amazing, actually, because so many people, I'm sure it's the same for you, are listeners of content more so than readers. So they didn't know about the book. Or maybe they came to it from a different way. And I think with anxiety, it's the kind of content, it's nice to have it in your ears because it's sort of reassuring. And it's kind of like a therapy in itself to, to hear people talk about something that you're going through. Um, so that has worked out really well and then I just I still work as a journalist writing different bits and bobs and I'm I mean I'm, I'm not just interested in anxiety and well-being I'm interested a lot in beauty and in interiors as well so I definitely kept busy. Yes absolutely yeah Sorry, that was the longest answer ever. <laughs> no that's perfect
0: thank you yeah oh wow so your new book sounds like just the thing I think that's such an important topic and I think when I when we're anxious, the thought of being vulnerable is completely terrifying and there's so much shame. And it was for me when I was really experiencing a lot of social anxiety, so much shame around it that I had this wall up and put a mask on and the thought of being vulnerable was the worst thing. But
2: And that's all it is. But when you like the secret is when you are willing to accept it and that we like embrace your vulnerability, the fear goes out of it massively. Yes, And that was just such an unbelievable learning curve for me that has gone on to have a massively profound impact on not just my experience of the world, but actually giving me success as well. You know, when when we get to a point of stop feeling that shame for something that is common to like all of us, you know, mm-hmm. we're all walking around trying to pretend like nothing phases us, like we're perfectly well adjusted and none of us are. So why don't we just all let each other off the hook?
0: I love that. That's, yeah, very, very good reminder to all of us. I know that you share in your book, um, your first book, "Owning It," a lot about your own experience of anxiety. Can you can you share a little bit of that with people so that they have a sense of where you were kind of coming from?
2: Yeah, I always feel when people ask me this question that um, my story is rather unexciting or not as dramatic as maybe you'd expect from someone who's written a book about anxiety. Um, but actually, what I've realised is that my story is like so many other people's story, and that is just a case of um, I had too much change happen too quickly in my life at one time and it was just stress that just I left unaddressed and it turned into anxiety which is you always think of anxiety as happening something that you experience if something really traumatic or a major life event happens not when you're kind of sailing along you know happy enough um it kind of crept up on me in that way so I was I was in a job that I really loved and things were going great I was I think I probably always been had an anxious nature but I was it wasn't really an issue in my life at that point and then I was headhunted into a new role, which sounded very exciting, and I kind of ignored my gut reaction and my instincts, and everyone else who said, "I don't know about this." You know, people had heard different things about this this new startup company, and I just kind of wanted to ignore all that. Um, and that was probably one of the first lessons was to to always trust trust your gut or at least give it some attention, um, and l- and hear it out. Uh, and then I went into that job, and it was um, from the get go from day one I just felt this horrible sense of dread in my body of what what have I done I don't want to be here they were having conversations about you know five-year plans and I was like I couldn't cope with the idea I was like I can't believe I've just left something that I was perfectly happy in and so what started out about anxiety as anxiety about this job change became anxiety about you know well I, I, I can't tell anyone that I'm not able to cope because I've made this leap and you know, anxiety about what people would think about me, anxiety about how it would affect my relationship. So at the same time, I had just moved in with my boyfriend um, and we, so that was like within two weeks of moving in, I started this new job and we were, you know, in the really like honeymoon phase of being very in love and, and suddenly I started to not feel well. It manifested very much for me in my gut. So my stomach has always been the the sort of means of communication through which my anxiety has always said, hey, we don't like this. um. And then it was like, what? what's this gonna do to our relationship? You know, this is not what he signed up for. Um, Anxiety about my ability to cope. Why can't I cope when other people are handling so much more stress? And it just kind of grew and grew and snowballed. And what was probably the worst thing about it was that I had no awareness. I didn't even identify it as anxiety. I didn't understand anxiety. I thought I was losing my mind and all of that exacerbated it further. I was living my life from one panic attack to the next I eventually I had to stop working because I was that unwell and I just kind of unraveled and felt terrified that I had lost myself that I was never going to be the same again or or feel like myself again um, and I was just completely in the dark and everyone else around me were looking at me like Jesus I don't know what to say to her I don't know what's wrong with her so that even made it worse because no one else understood it either so it was a real journey of okay I need to figure this out for myself because I don't I didn't have a book like mine or yours to turn to at that time because anxiety wasn't something that was spoken about the way it is now it was very much the reserve of people who you know in movies and tv like who are on medication or go through something major I just thought that's not me and so why could something like this happen to me when I have perfect life for all intents and purposes a great family I had a great job I had great friends a roof over my head this shouldn't have happened to me, and I felt like I had no right to feel this anxious. And then that compounds it even further. So it was just a just a shit show, really, of all these different anxieties that just came to a head all at one time.
0: I'm, I'm sure lots of people listening can relate to that. That there's almost this pressure that we put on ourselves because we think I should be able to cope with this, or we we think, oh, I'm you know I've got a roof over my head. I know you talk about this in your book, but roof over my head, I've got enough food. Who am I to? complain about things. Yeah. And yet that just adds in an extra level of kind of pressure that is un we don't need and it well, makes things so much worse.
2: It it adds it it adds in less, an extra layer of pressure but it's also completely irrelevant, which is something that took me a long time to learn and this is something I've had repeatedly impressed upon me by neuroscientists and, you know, clinical psychologists who say it doesn't matter if someone else is going through something far worse on paper it doesn't matter if you're in a really affluent position or you're so lucky or fortunate or wealthy it's all about how your body responds to stress and the hormones involved it doesn't give a shit if you've got a huge income in your bank account or whether you're really popular or whether you're not it doesn't care it's a, it's a physiological response that can go out of control and become far too oversensitive when really it's it's not supposed to react in those situations normally for you so all those added anxieties were definitely having a physiological further impact on me. In no way was it helpful. In no way was thinking, well, Caroline, it could be so much worse off. In no way was that going to help calm down the anxiety. That just made me berate myself even more. And to this day, that's one of the first things I try and knock out of people's heads when they say that your hormonal balance right now does not know one person from the next it's your body it's all relative you have every right to feel the way that you do and you do not need to justify it to anyone it doesn't matter if you've started to experience anxiety because you know it was a bit windy today or it doesn't have to be some life-altering thing it can happen and when it happens it's crap
0: yeah I think that's such a such an important message for people to learn and yeah just so good to hear that reminder about about that Mm. thank you um what what do you have I mean what do you what do you pin the high levels of anxiety that we have in our society right now on do you are you somebody that thinks right you know some people say it's social media other people say social media hasn't really got much to do with it it's other issues what what do you see as the kind of reason why we have so many people experiencing
2: anxiety um I think there's a lot of reasons I think the social media definitely has exacerbated it it's made um social comparison which is a can induce anxiety a lot easier because we're you know we have instant access to seeing what everyone else has going on and we've heard the phrase a million times that you're comparing your behind the scenes with someone else is highlights real um and just even the just the, the physical picking up and the constant connectedness or feeling of having to be plugged into something I think is one element um but I think really it's we're all walking around with a greater tendency towards anxiety today because we have an old brain for a very new world and we our brain still reacts to fear in the same way it did when we were in hunter-gatherer times when you know someone said to me the other day about um your, your ancestor was the, the anxious person. The person who wasn't anxious did not survive. <laughs> they would have been eaten. So we all come from a long line of warriors, which makes me feel a little bit better about the fact that actually we're the smart ones because we stayed alive. Um, so yeah, like you would have had an initial fear response and that all happens with the primitive part of your brain. And that still happens. Like everything we experience in the world still first go through that primitive part of your brain before it has a chance to go up to your more logical, rational, newer part of your brain. That all it just doesn't you can't you can't cheat that you can't outsmart that, so we're still experiencing all the same reactions to threats, but the threats that we face these days are more like emotional threats or threats to our sense of self esteem or our self worth or um you know what people would think of us our our sense of of control over ourselves. It's just a different kind of threat, but our body is reacting in the same way, and someone else said to me um that it's like having the fire alarm go off every time or the smoke alarm go off every time you use a toaster when you only want it to go off when there's the fire and we are more stressed out now than ever because I guess we're expecting more from ourselves we're trying to do it all especially women um I think we feel this pressure based on generations that came before us who maybe didn't have as many opportunities as we do we feel this pressure to fulfill all of that because we're so lucky um and eventually something's got to give you know and I think what's happening for most people is that they're they're expecting so much of themselves in all aspects of their life and they end up just wearing down the part of their brain that helps to mediate anxiety and fear and when that happens your fear response is kind of more more often than not in the driving seat so we start to react to things that we normally react fine to because we're just because stressed out has become our new baseline and we're not even necessarily aware of it so i think there's i think there's a lot of that i i don't necessarily know that we are more anxious now than like my parents generation I just think that we are talking about it and we are able to we have language around it whereas I know I mean my husband's a relative of his um when when Barry was growing up uh, it was easier at the time for them to say that this man had died than to say that he had gone off to an asylum because that was how much shame there was around it and there was no, there was no support, there was no treatment that we have these days, there was no CBT. So I don't think that we're like the snowflake generation, I just think that we are, we are willing to confront it and we're not willing to, to just endure it. We want to, we want to enjoy our lives while we're here and not just realize when it's too late, oh we shouldn't have been so stressed out or we shouldn't have worked so hard. Um, but I then I do think like social media has definitely, I find social media quite anxiety-inducing, While at the same time, it's a tool for me to, you know, put my own work out there and connect with people. So it's, it's got a, it's like a double edged sword, I think. This podcast is
0: sponsored by Blinkist. In today's age it can be hard to find even a brief moment to disconnect and learn something new. It's not easy with everyone and everything competing for your time and attention and so you might think that you don't even have time to read a book and I know that I've been there as well. If this sounds familiar there's an app that I really want to recommend to you, it's called Blinkist. Blinkist is an app that condenses best-selling non-fiction books down to their key takeaways for you to read or listen to in 15 minutes. Blinkist is made for busy people like you who want to understand the main points of a book quickly without having to read the whole thing cover to cover. You can easily fit in several titles a day and if you're on the go you can just switch the audio version. 12 million people are already using Blinkist to deepen their knowledge in 27 categories of non-fiction, everything from self-improvement, improvement, personal growth, leadership, mindfulness and happiness. I like Blinkist because I love learning and improving my mindset while I'm on the move. I love to read it while I'm on the bus or listen to it at the gym or when I'm cooking dinner. I just listened to Michelle Obama's Becoming and it was brilliant. Right now Blinkist has a special offer just for Karma Use audience. So if you head to Blinkist.com, Forward slash karma you, you can start your free seven day trial and you'll get 25% off a Blinkist premium membership. That's blinkist spelled B L I N K I S T dot com forward slash karma you to get 25% off and a seven day free trial. Blinkist dot com forward slash karma you. Yeah, a lot of people that I speak to who use social media for their job find that it's you know, it's an amazing thing, but it's also, you have, you kind of feel like you have to be on there. And so if it's triggering you or you're triggering comparison, then that can be a, a tricky thing to, to have to navigate.
2: Yeah. And I think it's really important to, to realize that you're, you can really curate your own social media feed to suit you. And I've done that. Like I've gotten very, um, ruthless about muting any account that doesn't make me feel good or if it makes me it's nothing to do with the person I'm sure they're a lovely person if I start to think oh I'm not doing that or if it has any negative bearing on me it's easier out of sight and out of mind you know because the thing is you can tell yourself again and again and again Don't compare. To compare is to despair. But we all do it. We've always done it all through history, all through evolution, as a way to get a measure of our of our sense of self worth. Obviously, it's not a helpful measure of our sense of self worth. But we're always going to do it. So sometimes you need to accept that. Okay, it's natural to do it. But also put put boundaries in place to mean that you do it less.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I love that acknowledgement that it's natural to compare. So actually make you know, set things up in your life so that you're less likely to get exposed to things that are going to trigger that essentially.
2: Yeah. Like the biggest learning for me in all of this has been not trying not to react to things that are so naturally the way we react. So whether it's stop trying not to compare yourself or stop trying to prevent an anxious feeling from happening in the first place, it happens before consciousness is aware of it. It happens what the power you have is in your response to it and how you choose to act and behave. It's in that little gap between stimulus and response is where you have power. People are so desperate to not have any anxiety in their life. You know, I would have, for example, had a goal of getting up and giving a public speaking engagement without feeling any anxiety. That's just a surefire way to feel more of it. I'm going to have that response. It's okay. My body and my mind feels that there's some kind of risk in this situation. There's some kind of threat. It happens before I've had a chance to digest it and process it. But again, it gets up to my prefrontal cortex, which is where I have the power. I can choose to say, okay, you know, this makes sense. You're about to give a public speaking thing. That's a bit scary. You're worried about what people will think of you. That's normally can't help that. But let's try and f- use this energy as fuel to get you through it. So it's not about not having anxiety. It's about accepting it and having it and and um, managing it and owning it. And when you do that, it just simmers right down.
0: Mm, yeah, I love I love that. Um description of of owning it rather than trying to cure it or make it disappear it's almost like we can't when, when we try and
2: cure it what we often do is just suppress it and that never really works for long but like you're trying to suppress thousands of years of evolution like you're not going to do it you can't just tell yourself oh i know i shouldn't be anxious so why can't i just not feel that way it's happened so for me that might sound like Jesus. Do we have any hope at all? But actually, it's quite liberating to be like, let yourself feel it. And and for me, of, of all the different ways of managing anxiety, something that I was probably most reluctant about would have been mindfulness. And um, you know, I would have just thought off oh, like, fuck off. Like, you know, if I could just sit there and think about be mindful, I would have done that by now. And when, when it, for me it was such a physical thing, but actually, all of the research suggests that because right what I was explaining there, we're so used to everything coming through our primitive brain and then going upstairs to the to the executives, this actually strengthens the connection in the other way. So it, it mindfulness, regular mindfulness, it takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of effort and commitment, but it's it strengthens the big guns that you have up here in your head, in the front of your head, so that you can stop you can help to calm down that response. And that's probably the most scientifically proven and supported and backed way of owning your anxiety over time can you can you share a bit about what what are the things that
0: have really helped you in terms of practical things or um i don't know types of therapy that you've tried what are the things that yeah have helped you the most
2: yeah um well mindfulness is probably one of the most recent additions that i I, like i said i was skeptical of before another one is cbt which is just um you cannot argue with it it's it's so CBT as you know is cognitive behavioral therapy where we're looking at how our thoughts and feelings and behaviors all relate to each other Um, so you're not necessarily gonna be able to stop a thought from happening but you can observe how that thought makes you feel and how that feeling then makes you behave and you can sort of start to intercept that cycle and get to know how you're responding and in, 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 in any given anxious situation and start to choose more helpful alternatives so for me CBT was really important because it made me feel like I was doing something practical I was actually taking action and that made I think if you have something to do as an anxious person it makes you feel like okay well I don't feel great yet but I'm I'm a pro, I'm doing something about it whereas I, when I started trying to understand it I was just in regular talking therapy and that's helpful to a certain point when if you've no idea why you're feeling anxious or you've no idea what anxiety is but I got to the point where I was like yeah I know I'm anxious I know why I can see clearly why all this is happening but what am I going to do about it so that was a bit too passive for me and so eventually see so CBT is something I still do all the time and like my husband has to remind me all the time he's like Caroline like have you if I start to get into that spiral of maybe catastrophizing or um overgeneralizing or um you know personalizing things like say for example someone being in a bad mood and me thinking oh is that um is that my fault? They're all common mind traps associated with anxiety and CBT just helps you observe those things. It's not about stopping them, it's not about you know being a completely different person, it's about saying okay I see what's happening here and the more I take time to to tease that apart I can see maybe why I'm feeling that way and then I can choose a different response or over time I can start to rationalize with some of those thoughts that are very clearly irrational and cbt gave me one of my favorite tools which is always asking if something is fact or opinion so me saying you know oh i can't do this thing i'm going to fall flat on my face is that based on fact like have you fallen flat on your face before How, like what what is the chance of that happening or is it an opinion is it, am i just conject- is it just conjecture um, so those are really important things for me as well and, and another thing that's been really helpful I guess it's kind of part of CBT is to allow yourself to be negative sometimes and allow yourself like give your if your body is producing an anxious response and anxious thoughts and you try and say no I'm not even going to entertain them they're not going to go away and sometimes I feel that there's in this wellness industry there's such a pressure to always embrace the positive and not give any weight to the negative but the negative is there for a reason your body obviously feels. In some way like it has a valid it's concerned and that concern is valid to you it's like a child who's afraid it seems silly to you but it's valid to the child so sometimes i think it's really important to say to sit with your negative thoughts and feelings and let them come out of you almost like um like a scheduled worry period where if something's really affecting me um maybe before I go to bed, instead of it popping up at 3 a.m. when I won't be able to sleep, I'll say, okay, like what is my worst fear here? What's the worst that can happen? And actually confront that reality because often I always compare it to like if you're watching a horror movie and your anxiety is the the thing that you're that the person is running away from. Okay. And for so much of the movie we don't see what that is and it's terrifying and it's all about anticipation. It's all about perception. It's not we haven't seen it, we don't know what it is yet. And then towards the end of the movie when the girl confronts the serial killer you what happens is your fear kind of goes out of it and it gets replaced by adrenaline It becomes an awful lot less scary so when you're willing to stare down the barrel of your fear you only then can you know actually that you're probably capable of handling it so for me running away from negativity and running away from fears is not the answer you need to sit with them and 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 get comfortable with them and that for me has been a huge thing as well. And that, again, that goes back to not trying not to have anxiety. It's like accepting it and embracing it as hard as that might sound. Um, and then on a very practical level, if, I, if if my anxiety flares up, which it still does from time to time, even though, you know, sometimes I think, well, you know so much now this shouldn't be happening. No, like that's ridiculous. My body is going to experience stress. Sometimes it's going to run away on me. And I'm not going to be able to have stopped it from building. But very practical things like um, I will always instantly cut back on sugar. I will always cut out alcohol. I won't touch caffeine. Just while I'm in a heightened anxiety phase, all of these things that people are adding in, they're all stimulants, okay? And if you're in an anxious phase, you're already pretty stimulated as is. You don't need any extra help in that department. So people underestimate the power of those things that when you when you take them away, you're just giving your body and those hormones and all that cortisol a chance to kind of settle down. Um, so that's something that I, I really think is probably undervalued it's it's kind of what we put into our body um and just dialing back things so like leaning in and out of the anxiety as i need to so you know if i if i feel like an anxious wave coming on i look at my calendar and think okay what's not essential here and not feel bad about it but just okay you need to you need to pare back because what's happening is you're burning the candle too much you're, that's actually creating stress and too much stress ends up wearing down the higher thinking part of your brain and you know when that happens you're less resilient to coping with the anxious thoughts so let's just you know intercept that by paring back a little bit doing what makes you feel good you know even as simple as what's one thing today that can make you feel good and do that and whatever you can do that enters you into a relaxed state as long as it's you know safe and not illegal that's going to be massively helpful because your body is going to have a nice rest and that's going to bring down the cortisol. So I've always approached it really very practically from looking at the way my body is, looking at the hormones, like how much cortisol I have and thinking, how can I bring that down? Instead of just saying, just stop feeling this way or, you know, it's ridiculous or think about how much worse off it could be Mm. because that will get you nowhere. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think that's that's really... um what we all need to remember, I think suppressing it never works. Um, you know, often we'll use alcohol to try and deal with anxiety, but that doesn't yeah. work. That's another way of kind of suppressing it and actually giving yourself permission to feel it, knowing that it's okay to feel what you feel, you know, f- facing things head on is the way to, to deal with it. And to Yeah. Like I it. think
2: what you say there, like giving yourself permission is hugely powerful like that's surrendering to how you are when you are as you are whatever it is you're feeling and that involves self-compassion which is another I guess tool that I would have turned my nose up at I would have thought oh hippy dippy but again the more I read into the neuroscience of it um and a neuroscientist I interviewed the other day said if self-compassion was a pill we would each take it every single morning because it's that powerful and if you're an anxious person by nature you're probably going to be quite self-critical in nature as well and we think that being self-critical and saying oh get a grip and you know you shouldn't feel this way and don't be ridiculous we think that will sort of motivate us out of the anxiety but actually self-criticism if you look at a brain pattern of someone who's being self-critical the cortisol and the activity is so much stronger and more stressed out it it triggers your fight or flight system so when you think that that's being helpful you're actually doing damage you're just adding more fuel to the fire whereas with self-compassion which is where I might say, "Okay, you know, Caroline, you're feeling anxious. How can I help? Or what's what's one thing we can do to maybe make today a little bit easier? Or um, it's okay that you feel this way. And just like compassion is is to kind of um, suffer with, and like we're so good at doing that for other people and not for ourselves. But actually, when you when you start to really bring self compassion into your life, it's not just a, a nice idea. Physiologically, it's it's actually producing." oxytocin and nice hormones and it's down regulating that stress response and that cortisol so for me again when you look at it that way it's not something you can argue with so I'm always catching myself now if I enter self-critical mode that a you're actually going to make your anxiety worse and b nothing good can come of it
0: yeah and I would say from the people that I speak to not being kind to them to yourself is one of the biggest things that that seems to affect people it's almost amongst people with anxiety almost like a universal thing that people beat themselves up and so self-compassion is the antidote that we, we need it really is that.
2: like if people could accept how unbelievably normal it is to feel anxious stop trying to change that stop trying not to feel it and embrace more self-compassion i think our suffering of anxiety would have instantly mm-hmm. And for me the other big thing is obviously awareness so understanding and educating yourself on anxiety it's it's when people are in the dark and they don't understand it that it's that's when it's scary and that's when it gets worse. So for for me in, in my first book I divided it into two parts. So it's the assess and address approach. And for me like I just found that helpful from again because it makes you feel like you're doing something active. So the assess part is understanding, okay, what what actually is anxiety? You know, we hear about it all the time. What actually is happening? How normal is it? Why do we feel this way? Why am I personally feeling this way right now? What are the different vulnerability factors at play uh, that may have led to me to feel a little bit more anxious today? And that might be, you have your period. It might be that you've been unwell. It might be that you had too much going on. Um, And taking a step back and looking at your life without judgment and thinking, oh, well, maybe it makes sense that I f- feel a little bit overwhelmed right now. And then the address part is, okay, well now you understand it, you understand why, if you're feeling say, you, you know, you, you just understand how your brain works and the chemistry and all the different parts of the body that are involved, because that's in itself, like that knowledge is so powerful. And then you're in a position to be able to dra- address it, whether that's, you know, CBT, whether that's um, medication for some people, it was uh, something I chose to go on because I was so, so, so ill um or it could be some simple lifestyle factors it could be leaving the job that's causing the problem and that could be enough for some people um it could be something practical like um acupuncture so i had a lot of i had a lot of very physical aches and pains in my body um in those early few months when it really hit me and i had i wasn't able to sleep at all because i was producing so much cortisol that I wasn't producing any melatonin which um, helps you go to sleep at night and your your cortisol is supposed to drop off as the day goes on. We all produce it naturally in the morning to kind of wake us up and get us alert and that's fine but it's supposed to ease off but if you're chronically stressed out and anxious it kind of stays up there at, at a high point so it never really comes down so you don't really unwind physically to sleep and that in itself becomes another another problem so acupuncture would have helped with that as well. So there are all the different things that I would have done. I mean, it, nothing, it's not, none of it's like reinventing the wheel or something you haven't heard before. It's just really, a, it's just really like an approach and, um, and a gentleness towards yourself. That is for me the key.
0: Mm, absolutely. Um, I wanted to ask you about something that I heard you talking about on one of your podcast episodes, which is about how to explain your anxiety to someone else whether that's a partner or someone you're dating or friends or family members um do you have tips for people on on how to to broach that subject
2: it's such a good question and it's so hard to answer um it's hard for me because i'm just so interested in understanding human behavior and why we feel the way we do and and so I'm always whether it's anxiety or not or even I was writing yesterday about like passive aggression in workplaces um but there there are people who message me um who say okay look I understand it now myself but my boyfriend doesn't understand it and that's creating more anxiety for me because I'm trying to justify it to him or to my parents and that it breaks my heart because you need that support and I don't think you have to have necessarily gone through horrible anxiety to understand that it's not just a mood you're in or it's not something that you can snap out of and like again to go back to that point it's not you you are not just you don't just feel like the unluckiest person in the world even though you've got great great fortune and um, so for me it's about uh, asking the people in your life who are important to you if they're open to understanding a little bit more and maybe that's reading so for me i was very lucky in that um Barry i kind of thought he'd run for the hills when i started to feel this way and actually he turned around and said look you know we'll figure this out and that even just the word we was so powerful to me cuz i just thought oh i'm on my own in this so he kind of wanted he had never had a feather knocked out of him before like the most laid back non anxious person you'd meet um but he went and kind of started reading things up about cortisol, and the more I sort of found things, we kind of d- delved into it together and He actually can tell me now what's happening to me when I don't necessarily know myself and I just think that I mean I was very fortunate in having someone who was willing to understand it with me and um, because that for me, like that education is is so crucial and um, so I would say i mean I've told people there's lots of podcasts in the mix there in my series and in the book that are really useful for people who are trying to be supportive to someone who isn't um who isn't someone who is going through anxiety but maybe that's not you're not that person um and it just it means that it just takes so much pressure off the person experiencing the anxiety because they don't have to explain it to you they don't have to justify it to you and all they want is to know all we all want when we have anxiety is reassurance and acceptance that it's normal and oftentimes a lot a lot of the time i think people are afraid to explain it to Maybe if they're dating someone new or their family or their friends, and they don't give them enough credit in for the fact that maybe they actually will understand more than you think. And because it's so common, maybe they'll have felt it themselves, but maybe they wouldn't have put a label on it, or maybe they wouldn't have identified it as anxiety, but they'll probably be able to relate more than you think. Um, and when you're when you confide in someone what it's like, and just just ask them, just can I can I explain to you what it's like or sort of where my mind goes or how it feels for me, um, then let give people a chance to listen and to understand and don't assume you're going to be met with brick wall but for people who who are met with a brick wall it's devastating because you're really then left to your own devices but i think the most crucial the most important thing is that you understand it for yourself you know you can't control the rest of the world only you can understand it and you if you feel like so worried about other people just stop feeling the need to justify it to anyone else just all you have to justify it to is yourself you you only have to be self-compassionate to yourself you don't have to and no one else has to technically do that for you that's the most important thing I think but yeah it's I wish it was easier for people to to get more people to understand but I'm hoping that with like the kind of conversations we're having um and the more it's spoken about and the more it's normalized um and also I think it's really important that people who don't have anxiety understand it so that you know when inevitably when they enter a stressful period they'll be able to say oh i know what's going on here you know i know what i need to do whereas for me when it hit me i had no idea i had no clue and it was so much worse because i was like what the hell is this whereas if i kind of knew oh anxiety is something so normal i probably wouldn't have freaked out as much as i did so i think there's like myriad reasons why people who don't have anxiety should make an effort to understand it Mm, absolutely and that's why if you're somebody that is
0: prone to catastrophizing you might be catastrophizing what people will think when you open up to them mm-hmm. and actually as you said people may very well be more you know open to understanding it than we we think at that time
2: I think so like I said at the beginning like we're all vulnerable Um, we all have that in common and we all have an amazing capacity for empathy but we're afraid to broach it um, and really people are a lot more understanding you don't have to have like someone can tell me about something terrible that happened to them I don't have to have it happen to me to be able to be supportive to them you don't have to be in the trenches with them but you can say to someone okay like is there anything I can do to maybe instead of saying oh how's your anxiety now how's your anxiety today like none of that's helpful because it's not like a vomiting book you know so it might be a case of oh I have a phase of a couple of weeks and that checking in all the time actually probably isn't all that helpful um but it's being able to say to someone you know I'm having a bit of an anxious phase right now, and just put it out there, and then it's there. It just like, instead of trying to pretend like you're not, and it kind of just diffuses the tension, I think, in yourself for me. So, like, I will say to Barry, I don't, it's not that we're like analyzing it to death, but I'm saying, oh, I'm feeling a little bit anxious today. And he's like, okay, you know, what, is there any, like, do you want to chill out, watch Netflix? Is there any one thing you can do to make yourself feel a bit better? And it's by him, by his reaction that it's okay that I feel anxious makes me feel like, like it's okay that I feel anxious. Whereas if he reacts and says, oh my God, like what's wrong with you? Then I kind of mirror that. And um, so even if, you know, I think it, just to go back to that, people in your life, just ask them to just say, listen, I, I, I want to be able to say it out loud when I feel anxious. You don't need to solve it for me. I just need to know that you're there for me. People aren't always looking for answers. They're just looking for support. And I think that's the difference.
0: Yeah, I think that's such a good point because often people feel the need to give us solutions or try and fix us, you know, particularly, I know men have got a reputation for doing that. I know that we all all do that from time to time, but actually just Mm -hmm. letting them know, I don't need you to try and fix this. Can you just listen to me or can you just give me a hug or whatever it is that you need?
2: Or you don't need to be told, oh, well, think about this thing that could be worse you don't need a solution you just need look I I hear you that I'm really sorry that you're feeling this way it's crap yeah it is like let's is right do you want to go for a walk do you, you want to talk about something else do you want to you know just that's a simple that's all it takes for someone to feel supported
0: absolutely yeah so thank you so much for sharing everything that you shared i think thank you Chloe people are going to feel very supported by this episode Can you share a bit about um, where people can find out more about you and your work and check out the things you're up to?
2: Yeah so mindandbeauty.ie is my website where I'm sharing like regular articles and content around well-being and different like I said I wrote something yesterday about toxic workplace environments so I kind of go a little bit outside of anxiety um, talk about well-being there as well and then the podcast if you search for owning it the anxiety podcast you'll get it probably everywhere you get your normal podcasts and um, the books are available widely owning it and the confidence kit and the third book will be called naked and that will be out in may and i'll be sharing details on my instagram that's kind of everything kind of goes through my instagram like yourself so i'm at caroline foreign if anyone wants to follow me there. And um, I'm also sharing a lot of regular updates now about managing anxiety through pregnancy, which is probably quite niche, but helpful for people who are in the same boat.
0: Amazing. And I'll put all those links in the show notes for everyone to click through too. Thank you so much for speaking to me. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really hope you liked it. I really felt so good after chatting to Caroline if you liked it come on over and let us know on Instagram find me at Chloe Brotheridge and if you enjoyed this episode please do subscribe to the podcast leave a review leave a rating and share it with a friend that you think might need to hear this conversation today and just a final reminder to join the confidence challenge that's coming up very very soon Enter your details at karmayou.com forward slash confidence. It's totally free and it is going to be helping so many people. I just know it and I can't wait. So I hope you're going to join us. I'm wishing you lots of love and hope you have a great week. Chat to you soon. Ever
1: catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Gigi Palmer.